The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to NMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode 105 of the podcast. Or you're joining us here live on YouTube. Today is Sunday, August 19th. We're coming off a really exciting week of MMA that a lot of people probably didn't even realize was going on, unless you're a listener of this show. Before I get into that, let me introduce my co-host all the way from the snowy state of New Jersey. Well, that's what I'll be saying in like a month or two, <laughs> is Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, is it still hot and sticky up there? Bill, it was raining a lot last night, so cooled off a little bit, but uh, I think there's more rain in the forecast this week. Actually, the beaches have been closed for a little bit because it's been raining so much that uh, there's bacteria in the water, so there's that. Uh, well... It's the Jersey Shore, so there's always bacteria in the water. It's sometimes in human form. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the beaches are closed down here too because we have what's called the red tide, which is an algae bloom that happens uh, pretty much every year. But this year, it's really bad. It releases toxins into the water, kills a bunch of fish and dolphins and manatees, and they all wash up on the beach, um, which is bad for business if you own a, a beachside hotel or a restaurant or anything like that because everything smells like dead fish. It hasn't quite reached Tampa Bay yet, but it, it's creeping up the coast. Um, it was really prevalent down in Cape Coral where I was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a lot of people blame it on the sugar industry. I don't know if this is just uh, you know a media thing or not, but Florida is one of the biggest sugar producers in the country. Uh, and I think three of the top sugar companies in the country are here and i guess they create a bunch of waste and they they do a lot of bad shit to the environment and it, it may be making this red tide worse but uh i don't know it's pretty gross and it's not good for the wildlife so don't eat sugar folks uh it, it's bad for you anyway it'll rot your teeth and your brain and it'll make you fat all right that's all the uh, <laughs> that's all the public service announcements for this episode. <laughs> Let's get into uh, oh, by the way, Jeff, I'm heading up to your neck of the woods. You know this, but I'll let all the listeners know. I am taking a road trip with my seven month old baby and my fourteen year old dog all the way, all the way up <laughs> the East Coast uh, to visit my family in New York. Uh, you know, I don't mind flying with the baby, Jeff, but, uh, you know, we have the old dog and she can't fly because she's too heavy and we don't want to leave her behind because she's super old. So we don't want to leave her with like the doggy daycare uh, just in case. So I'm making a road trip out of it and I may be crazy for taking a, a baby and an old dog uh, on a road trip this far, but I think we're going to have a good time. We, we enjoy road trips. so. I think it's going to be good, and you and I will meet up. I don't know if we'll be able to get a live episode in, but you know we'll have some beers and 
have some laughs and talk some MMA. I don't know if there'll be an episode next week or not, too. So I wanted to make that announcement right off the bat as well. Um, let's get into some MMA, Jeff. No UFC this past weekend, but Thursday and Friday night, we had some awesome action. And I, I've been building up this professional fighters league. I'm a big fan of it. You can go back to past episodes and hear what we have to say about the point system and how they're doing the tournament and the million dollar prizes for each weight class. I, I mean, if you listen to the show every week, you're, you're well aware of, of this format and how we're big fans of it. So the, the PFL six did not disappoint. It took place in Atlantic city at the new ocean resort casino, which is now the biggest casino uh, in Atlantic city right now. Uh, I don't know who owns it or, or whatever the case, but it seems like the PFL has done a deal with them because they're doing their next event there too. Unfortunately, you weren't able to make it to this last one, Jeff, because you had some professional obligations, but uh, maybe you can make it to the next one. We'll get you in there in the press booth so you can uh, you can live tweet at us. But uh, let's, let's start things off. Um, here's one thing I liked about this card, Jeff. Well, I liked a lot of things about this card. So Jake Shields, who is probably the biggest name signed to the organization, he was on the prelims, and that's because they're they're sticking to this tournament mode and they're sticking by the point system. So Jake Shields was knocked out in his first fight. So okay, you're the biggest name we have, but you got to be on the prelims because you're at the bottom of the tournament bracket now, uh, as far as points go. So he was on like the Facebook Live. Or Facebook Watch, whatever they whatever they're calling it now, uh, prelims. Which I kind of like that they're doing this, Jeff. And it looked like they had a much better turnout uh, than the last event. And we had some really awesome welterweight fights on this card. Uh, a lot of awesome welterweight fights throughout the whole weekend, um, which is really cool to see because the welterweight division, especially in the UFC, has been a little bit lackluster lately. Um, so. In any case, Jake Shields on the prelims, uh, he gets a unanimous decision victory over Herman Torado, but he may still have been eliminated from the tournament because he he, uh, he had a decision. So uh, I'm looking here. He's currently tied for seventh place as far as the bracket goes. And I think the bottom two people um, uh, are eliminated. So... It looks like Jake Shields is still staying afloat in this thing. I'm um, looking at the standings here now. Uh, give me your thoughts on the on the card overall, Jeff. Yeah, Bill. So unfortunately, I couldn't watch this card live. Uh, I was running around all day and I ended up falling asleep. I was exhausted, but I went back and watched it yesterday, and a really good card overall. I like how. Um, depending on how many points you have, that's who you're paired up with in your next fight. And I'm looking at the standings now, and um, there are quite a few fighters who have made it into the playoffs already. There's about seven fighters qualified in each weight class. And for those of you who don't know, the way it's going to work is the top eight guys are going to go to the playoff round. And there's about seven in each category so far qualified. And we'll get into this a little bit later, but Ray Cooper has about 12 points in uh in the standings and he's he's right at the top and dude this card overall was really really good and like you said jake shields it looks like he may have clinched uh a playoff spot but just barely he definitely needed that win last night yeah for sure so ray cooper is at the top of the standings 
with an 18-second knockout uh, in the main event on Thursday night. Uh, it was a really impressive. For anybody who thought his knockout of Jake Shields was a fluke, uh, this kid has some serious power in his hands. Uh, so he has 11 points. He's 2-0 and in the tournament. He's the number one seed. And uh, he's going to be fighting next the number two seed, I believe, which is Joao Zeferino, who won his fight impressively on Thursday night as well. And it was a, a rear naked choke in the third round. So he's only the second seed by one point. But you can see uh, uh, what, what a difference it makes, uh, you know, in the standings as far as, you know, where you're placed. We have Rick Story in here as well, who's the fourth seed. He also won his fight. Um, but, you know, he doesn't have as many points. So he gets, he gets moved down a little bit. So I believe we have eight fighters left. And then we have some alternates in case somebody gets hurt. And that's the way it works. So Rick Story actually had a technical submission in the second round, rear naked choke. I guess he, he choked the guy out. I didn't catch that fight. Um, but yeah, and this is really kind of cool because you could see where everybody stands. And Pablo Kush, who is um, the guy who got knocked out by Ray Cooper in the main event, he's actually still in this thing. Even though he's one and one, uh, he, he has five points in the tournament. So he's still the, the number five seed which is kind of interesting to see how this thing is going to play out. And Jake Shields got knocked out in his first fight, but he's still in this thing too. Um, and uh, he's got three points. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. You know, maybe we'll see some rematches here. Uh, you know, it, 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 could be, it could be really cool. A any other thoughts on uh, the welterweight tournament or the standings here, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, it's really interesting. I, I like this setup. And, Bill, what I would like is if they are doing a uh, playoff round, I think it would be cool if, like, the first and second seed got a bye, kind of like they do in football, and then the other six guys kind of fight it out amongst their, themselves, like uh, the number three seed fights the number eight guy, the number four fights the number seven guy. So um, I'm really interested to see how this playoff is going to work. But so far, dude, I'm really excited. I like the organization of this setup. You can see clearly uh, Ray Cooper, who's had two dominant performances. He's in first place. There's no doubt about why that is. It's not like, you know, not to trash the UFC or anything, but – the rankings make sense. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I, I just had like a like a beautiful mind moment, like a flashback to that when you were talking about <laughs> having the buy <laughs> the buy fight and all this, like trying to figure out the math, um, like all the numbers on the wall and the newspaper clippings and stuff like that. In any case, there there are some awesome performances. I think uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov had six fighters on this card. And I think they all won. I think he went 6-0 or 5-0, however many he had. Uh, I think they were all victorious. So uh, there's some bad motherfuckers coming out of Dagestan, man. Uh, so you got to keep a lookout for them. And they're, they're not all strictly grapplers. You know, some of these guys can strike. Um, but apparently they're, they're forced when they're young to choose a, a discipline and stick to it. Uh, I, I think they all work some wrestling into their training because Khabib's father who runs the main gym there in Dagestan, he's one of the most uh, famous wrestling coaches in the world. Uh, they have, I think currently they have like 
seven world champion wrestlers in that gym, uh, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, in any case, another highlight for me on this car was Kayla Harrison in her second uh, professional MMA fight against Josette Cotton, who is somehow eight and one. Well, well, was eight and one going into this fight with Kayla Harrison. Uh, she seemed very hesitant to even throw a punch. Uh, I thought Kayla looked great. She put an arm bar on Josette in the first round that 99 out of 100 people would have tapped out to, but Josette apparently has super flexible arms. And those judo arm bars are no joke, Jeff. Uh, if you've ever been put in an arm bar by a judo player, they put a lot of strain on the joints because uh, if, if you're not aware of the way judo works, you have to finish the fight within 30 seconds of it hitting the ground or you get stood back up. So you have to get a submission or an epon, which is the equivalent of a pin in wrestling. That's why judo players are so quick to get submissions once the fight goes to the ground. Um, but credit to Josette Cotton for hanging in there. I did see some debate online as to whether or not this was an impressive performance by Kayla Harrison. Uh, look, I, I don't care who you put her in there with. It's her second mixed martial arts fight. She barely got touched by a woman who had eight more fights than her. Um, and she came away with a TKO victory in the third round. So she got a lot of cage minutes in there, which is super important for her since she finished her first fight really quickly. I thought she looked great. I thought she looked really strong. Uh, obviously, her grappling is top-notch. Her striking, uh, you know, leaves something to be desired, but uh, she's just getting started with this, and she is the highest-level athlete on the planet, you know, Olympic two-time Olympic gold medalist. So I have no doubt that she'll pull it around and uh, get the striking together, and once she gets even more minutes in the cage and gets more comfortable – I think she's going to be a real terror for a lot of women out there. The problem is going to be finding her opponents because she's fighting in a division that doesn't even really exist in the PFL, and it doesn't really exist anywhere. She's fighting at 155 pounds, which is lightweight, and there's currently no other big or organizations that uh, has a lightweight division for women. You know, the UFC only goes up to 145. Obviously, Cyborg would be big enough to fight Kayla Harrison and that might be something that would be intriguing down the line. I don't know how long Cyborg is planning to stick around in MMA. Uh, I believe she only has one more fight left on her UFC contract and she's not really interested in staying in the UFC from what I've heard. So if she moves, if she moves around and Kayla Harrison gets a few more fights under her belt, uh, this is a potential matchup. Uh, down the line that we could see in the PFL or Bellator or elsewhere that is very intriguing to me um, because I feel like Kayla uh, should not be getting in the cage with Cyborg anytime soon. I'm talking about maybe a year and a half, two years from now. So I don't know if the stars will align on this one, but it's definitely on my radar and it's definitely something I've thought about given the size of these two women and the problems they're both going to have going forward finding opponents. Uh, what were your thoughts on Kayla Harrison's performance, Jeff, before I keep going off on my tangent here? 
No, I agree with you uh, on all accounts. I think that uh, Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison, somewhere down the line after Kayla gets some more experience, I think that's an awesome fight to put on. And I think there's a lot of money for whatever organization does put that fight on. But um, going into Harrison's fight on Thursday, she looked great in there, man, except for striking. Like you said, it does leave uh, something to be desired. I think that she needs to focus in on that a little bit more. But I was a little concerned going out of the first round about how her cardio was going to hold, uh, hold up. But she didn't have any problems on that front. She looked like she was good going into all three rounds. She, um, I just lost my chain of thought. Uh, yeah, she landed a couple of takedowns, uh, so her grappling was on point. And as we've talked about before, and as any MMA fan has seen, grappling takes a lot more out of you than striking does. So Harrison was able to keep up the pace for three rounds. So I was really impressed. And uh, overall, just, you know, uh, the striking, that's going to just come with time. And she was good in there. I'm excited to see her get in there again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we know that she probably has the endurance to go, uh, you know, as many rounds as it takes. She was even saying, you know, five rounds, ten rounds, whatever it is. Uh, so I'd be excited to see her in, in like, a championship length fight. Um, for those who aren't aware, judo is one of the most grueling sports. If you're a, a judo competitor and you go to a tournament, you are grappling basically the entire day. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of stand-up. It's a lot of takedowns because, like I was saying earlier, if you take your opponent down and you're not able to finish them in 30 seconds, you got to stand up and then try to take them down again. It is exhausting. Uh, judo is not a sport for the faint of heart. Uh, I know a lot of people, when they think of judo, they may think of like, you know, a cute, like kind of kids martial arts. Like, no, this is a badass sport uh, that takes a lot of endurance, a lot of heart. Uh, you see a lot of injuries because you're constantly getting thrown on your back and, you know, it's bad on your knees and your joints and your grips and everything. So before we move on, we have the standings for the welterweight tournament. Uh, I have them right in front of me. So I'll just uh, go down this real quick. So Going into the third round of the welterweight tournament, you have Ray Cooper in first place with 11 points. He's 2-0. Then you have Joao Zeferino in second place with 10 points. He's 2-0 as well. Uh, Magomed, Magomed Karamov in third place with 9 points. He's 2-0. And Rick the Horror Story, UFC veteran, in fourth place with 8 points. He is also 2-0. So the top four guys have not lost yet. Uh, so if you're just looking at this from a PFL standard, you have four guys who are undefeated, uh, and that's going to make things really interesting uh, from a points perspective and from a matchup perspective. I think you have some really exciting matchups here. If you have Rick Story against uh, Magomed Karamov, that's a really fun fight with two really strong grapplers. Uh, and then fifth place, you have Pablo Kush. He's one and one. He's got five points. Then you have Bojan Velikovic, who has five points. Then you have your boy Jake Shields with three points. And then you have Khabib Nurmagomedov's cousin, Abubakar Nurmagomedov, with three points as well. So those are your standings right now for the welterweight division in the PFL. I'm really excited to see how this tournament plays out, Jeff. Any other thoughts on the PFL before we move on here? 
Uh, yeah, just real quick, uh, these guys, their next performance is going to be Saturday, October 20th at PFL 10. So we'll, the, the standings will flesh themselves out a little bit more. Maybe that last spot is going to get taken. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really excited to see what happens next, man. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, I'm glad that they're moving this to a Saturday as well. Um, I kind of like that the UFC is spreading things out more. I have a feeling, and I'm not basing this on any kind of inside knowledge or anything, but I have a feeling they've started meeting with uh, some marketing advisors from ESPN, and that may be why uh, they're spacing things out a little bit. I think they want to focus on some big pay-per-views and not have these fight cards every weekend because it's just, it gets to be too much, you know? It's, I don't know how you feel, Jeff, but for me it starts to feel like an obligation to watch all these cards as opposed to an enjoyment. Uh, I was actually enjoying having the weekend off from the UFC, and I had recorded Bellator Friday night, and then yesterday morning I wasn't going to watch it, but I was sitting on the couch, and, and my daughter had just uh, went down for a nap. She was like sitting on the couch next to me, and she fell asleep. I was like, let me put on a DVR, and I'm really glad I did. So Bellator 204, it was their first time in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I was not excited for this card, Jeff. I was looking up and down. I didn't know a lot of the names, and I, I didn't really know what to expect. It was a phenomenal main card. I was really excited uh, at the end of this thing, especially because I was looking at the welterweight Grand Prix that they're putting together, and... It looks awesome. I mean, you have John Fitch in there. You have, uh, you know, all these great welterweights. The uh, Diego Lima, uh, not Diego Lima. Who's the Lima that's in Bellator, Jeff? Uh, that might be Lima Bean. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. You set me up for that one. I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't normally. I don't normally edit these, Jeff, but I might have <laughs> might have to strike that one from the record. Um, anyway, I'll pull up the welterweight Grand Prix uh, in a little bit, but uh, let's start at the top with the main event. Darian Caldwell, who is the bantamweight champion in Bellator, moved up in weight, and it wasn't for a championship fight, which is kind of strange, but I I kind of like that he did that. So. Uh, he, he moves up in weight, and he fought Noad Lahat, and this fight was all Caldwell. Um, he, he got the uh, KO in the second round, and uh, th there wasn't much Lahat could do here. So I, I'm excited to see what Caldwell can do at featherweight. Um, he, he, of course, trains at Alliance MMA with Dominic Cruz, and they believe they have the two best uh, bantamweights in the world. In fact, he awkwardly called out TJ Dillashaw for Dominic Cruz during his post-fight interview after he knocked out Noad Lahat. He said TJ shouldn't be such a pussy because he can't consider himself the best bantamweight in the world when he has a loss to a guy on the same roster as him. Uh, in any case, uh, your thoughts on Caldwell's knockout uh, a weight class up against Noad Lahat? Yeah, he looks yeah, good. He looks, good. He looks fast. He was powerful. powerful. So, so good that he was able to get that win. I'm excited to see what he can do next in the 145-pound um, division. Yeah, for sure. That'll be exciting. So uh, getting back to the welterweight division that I was just talking about, Logan Storley, who moved down from middleweight, 
and uh, found a new home at, at welterweight. He had a match against AJ Matthews, who looked like he did not even belong in this century. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I was starting to say he looked like he didn't belong in the cage with him, but he had like one of those old timey strongman mustaches. Uh, that's just like obnoxious looking. And uh, he just looked like lost. Like he didn't know where he should be or, or where he belongs. He had Patrick Cummins in his corner who has the same kind of mustache going on. It's equally obnoxious, but it, it looks a little bit more natural on, on Patrick just because he has that the bald head and he has that strong man poster look. Um, but holy shit, the wrestling of Logan Storley. Uh, so all American wrestler from South Dakota, uh, and he just put on a wrestling clinic. And once he got AJ Matthews to the ground, he was relentless with his pressure, uh, just pounding the shit out of him. And then at one point he accidentally kneed him in the head. He was trying to knee him in the shoulder. So, uh, referee Jason Herzog did a great job of stopping the fight, making sure AJ Matthews was okay. Matthews is pretty much unconscious at this point, but it, I don't think it was from the knee. The knee barely grazed him, but Herzog did do the right thing, stopping the fight. Luckily, AJ Matthews wanted to continue. He made it through the rest of that round, and the second round was more of the same. But what I was impressed with was the way Logan set up his takedowns because he let AJ swing some big wild punches and ducked under them for the blast double leg. Uh, it was really high-caliber wrestling, and his control of AJ Matthews on the ground was just scary, man. I mean, this is why I have a theory of why people don't like wrestlers who, who kind of hold people down because it's, it's scary to think about somebody holding you down on the ground and there's nothing you can do about it. And they're punching you in the face and maybe the punches aren't hurting, but you know, when there's somebody who can put you somewhere and keep you there, this is like, this is like a fear that, that stays with you from a child. Like when you're a little kid and somebody's holding you on the ground and like tickling you or something and you can't move. And it's, I think it's that kind of fear that's instilled in people. And that's why they don't like watching wrestlers because it's, it's uncomfortable. But as, as you know, Jeff, I'm a big fan of this, but in any case, uh, Logan Storley getting the second round TKO over AJ Matthews. What, what were your thoughts on this performance, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I was super impressed with Storley. At no point did he look like he was in trouble in there. And AJ Matthews just didn't know how to deal with this. Uh, Storley's wrestling was so good, like you said, so much control from the top. You know, AJ Matthews, it looked like there was nothing he could do to get out from under Storley. And thank goodness that the ref stopped in the second round because um, when he got up in the first round after that accidental, accidental knee, AJ Matthews looked dazed. He looked confused. He looked like he did not want to be in there for too much longer. So all credit in the world to Logan Storley. He looked great in there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, exciting addition to the welterweight division in Bellator. Uh, so let's go next to the return of James Gallagher. Um, or they call him Gallagher, but I, it, it's kind of spelled Gallagher. So I'm going to call him Gallagher because it's going to make it easier for me going forward. So this is a brash kid who I believe chain, trains with Conor McGregor and is kind of taking a page out of his book. He was talking a lot of shit leading up to this fight. 
He was undefeated, 8-0, I believe. And getting in there with uh, Ricky Bandejas, who abandoned his bantamweight title in another organization to come over here and take this fight against Gallagher. And Gallagher has a lot of slick submissions, but his uh, mental warfare, he really gets into people's heads, much like Conor McGregor. And I feel like he was doing it a little bit too much. Like he came into the cage and he was screaming in Ricky's face. And uh, it seemed to work at first because uh, Ricky looked really hesitant to pull the trigger in the beginning of this fight. And it was not looking good for him. It looked like James Gallagher was going to, you know, fulfill the prophecy that he had laid out that he was going to finish Ricky in the first round. Ricky Bandejas, uh, you know, kind of gets his sea legs under him. And he finishes Gallagher with a nasty combination that included a front leg sidekick to the face. And then he knocked him completely out cold with some punches on the ground. Uh, this was a phenomenal fight. Um, and it, it was hard to root for James Gallagher when he was talking so much shit and being so arrogant. Um, but I, I also thought he was very humble uh, after the fight. You know, he went over to Ricky and he raised his hand and, uh, I saw a message he put on Twitter that's he said, uh, you know, I talked a big game and I took a big fall, but all the talking I did got a lot of eyes on this sport. So I achieved what I set out to do. I'll be back stronger. I thought he really handled it the right way. But yeah, what a really brash kid. And and um, yeah, it was an awesome fight uh, that I'll end on that. And I'll I'll ask for your perspective now, Jeff. What did you think about this one? Yeah, dude, this was a really fun fight. I was really excited for this one. Uh, James Gallagher, he's a very exciting fighter to watch, despite you know all the trash talking he does. He is very talented, and like you said, he's got some slick submissions. I didn't know too much about Ricky Bandejas uh, walking into this fight because uh, I believe this was his Bellator debut. And in my head, I'm thinking, how funny would it be if James Gallagher got beat by this guy? And like you said, after about half the round, Ricky Bandejas kind of got the nerves out of the way. He got the jitters out, and he landed a really nice overhand left that turned James Gallagher's legs into jelly. And then he landed that nice sidekick to the face. It looked like Gallagher ran into a wall. If you haven't seen this fight, definitely go back and watch the highlights. Uh, good for Ricky Bandejas. And good for Gallagher. I think that he took this loss in stride. I think he'll be back stronger. And, you know, it's important to remember he's been out of that uh, cage for a little over a year. So it's been a while. And, you know, overall, this I didn't see the entirety of this card, but there was a lot of finishes on here. So the card was really, really good. And I'm excited for what Bellator is putting on in the future. Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you didn't know who Ricky Bendejas was before, now you do. He's actually from your neck of the woods, Jeff, in Brick, New Jersey. Uh, he's strung together now six wins in a row. Uh, he fights out of Catone MMA, so uh, former UFC fighter Nick Catone uh, owns that gym, and they cross-train with uh, Mark Henry's crew, so um, Ricardo Almeida, the jiu-jitsu coach, Frankie Edgar, um, Edson Barbosa, all those killers over there, Eddie Alvarez. Uh, so we know Bandejas is getting some legit training in and uh he, he looked phenomenal in there so uh really exciting and that bantamweight division you know if darian caldwell stays at featherweight that bantamweight division may be wide open so who knows what could happen only one more fight i want to talk about and that was uh taiwan claxton and chris lencioni 
so this opened up the main card, I believe. So Chris Lencioni fights out of Portland, Oregon. He's over there uh, with Chell Sonnen's team. And uh, <clears throat> as you know, Jeff, I listen to Chell Sonnen's podcast every week. And um, <laughs> Chell was even breaking Chris Lencioni's balls because he he's a, a self-proclaimed weight-cutting expert. And he was talking about how using uh, a hot tub to cut weight never works. And then Chris Lencioni missed weight <laughs> by, I believe, three or four pounds. Um, so even his teammate, Shell Sonnen, was kind of breaking his balls about it. And then he was still talking shit at the weigh-ins. So he got under Taiwan Claxton's skin. But this fight was another example of high-level wrestling uh, just beating anything. Because Taiwan was standing with Lencioni. He didn't really like uh, – he, he was getting touched up. Like Claxton had the better boxing but uh, Lencioni was a more diverse striker, so Claxton took him down. Uh, and then there were too many submission attempts on the ground, so he let him back up, and he outboxed him, and he wore him out. He took him down when he wanted, and he let him back up when he felt like he was being threatened by the submissions. Uh, so Division II All-American wrestler Taiwan Claxton uh, proving uh, how important wrestling is because he was uncomfortable in two areas, and he kind of bounced back and forth between them until Lencioni got tired out and eventually wasn't putting up much of a fight at all. So this was a really exciting fight because, uh, you know, it was just so, it, it wasn't really back and forth. It was pretty one-sided victory by Taiwan Claxton, who got the unanimous decision, by the way. Uh, but it was interesting to see that he kept taking the fight into different places where he felt more comfortable and he, he felt comfortable bouncing back and forth between the two. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed this fight. I thought it was a good one, uh, especially because they had the tension and they were yelling at each other and this and that. Uh, that reminds me at the end of the James Gallagher fight and Ricky Bendejas. So Bendejas obviously really fired up because of all the shit Gallagher was talking. He started getting in his face uh, right after he knocked him out. And our buddy Bobby Wambacher, uh, the referee who's a friend of the show, uh, a lot of you may remember uh, he came on a couple of months ago now. Uh, he did a great job of keeping them separated, and he pulled Ben Dehaus aside and said, you know, it's over. Uh, so shout out to Bobby Wambacher uh, for doing a great job keeping control in the octagon there or in the cage because I think Kotor's cage is more roundish. I don't know if they call it an octagon or not. But uh, I'm also really enjoying the Mike Goldberg and Big John McCarthy duo. Uh, I wasn't that big of a fan of Big John McCarthy as a broadcaster when he first started doing it, but... Now I'm really kind of enjoying his insights. And um, I've always been a fan of Mike Goldberg. So it's cool to, to listen to him again. Overall, Bellator 204 delivered, man. I'm glad, I'm glad my daughter took a nap uh, <laughs> yesterday morning and I, I was able to watch this. I watched the whole uh, main card in under an hour by uh, you know watching on DVR, skipping commercials and everything like that. Uh, any other thoughts on this card? Before we move on, Jeff? Yeah, overall, just a really exciting card. And Bill, another Bellator card I'm excited for, and we can get into this a little bit more down the line, is Rory McDonald is going to step up to 185 to fight Gegard Mousasi for the Bellator Middleweight Championship. And for those of you who may not know, Rory McDonald is currently the welterweight, that's 170-pound champion of Bellator. So, Bill, this is going to be sometime in September. I'm super excited for this one, man. I think Bellator is making the right moves at the right time here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting fight. Um, and 
it's weird how Roy McDonald wants to keep taking on these bigger fighters. Uh, it's not like he had a, a dominant performance in his last fight. Uh, he had a very, very close fight uh, with the with the previous champion, who is Douglas Lima, uh, not Lima Bean, as you proclaimed earlier, Jeff. Um, and uh, Gegard Mousasi is a beast. Uh, a lot of people forget this guy used to fight at light heavyweight. So he's he. I don't think he cuts that much weight to to fight at middleweight, but he's he's a big guy. Uh, it's not like it's not like um, you know he's moving up in weight to fight like a regular middleweight. First of all, it's a big jump. One seventy to one eighty five is one of the biggest jumps you can make. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to play out for him. But after that fight, Jeff will be. The uh, 10-man welterweight Grand Prix. <clears throat> and uh, just to rattle off a couple of the names in this Grand Prix. Uh, <clears throat> and unfortunately, it's going to be on a new platform that Bellator is trying out. And it's a subscription thing that costs like 10 bucks a month. So I I'm going to find other ways to watch these fights. But I'm definitely intrigued. Uh, this is something that piqued my interest. So you have John Fitch, the undefeated Neiman Gracie. Andre Koroskov, Lorenz Larkin, Douglas Lima, Rory McDonald, Michael, Michael Venom Page, Ed Ruth dropping down to welterweight, wrestling phenom Ed Ruth, and uh, Yaroslav uh, Amasov. So um, those are the names that have been announced already in the tournament. And this is a fucking hell of a Grand Prix right here, Jeff. You have some really interesting fights. And I think one of the fights, first fights that's been announced is Ed Ruth and Neiman Gracie. Uh, which is awesome. So these two undefeated fighters, two phenomenal grapplers who can also strike, that's going to be a fucking fun fight. And I'm definitely not paying 10 bucks a month for a <laughs> Bellator streaming service. <laughs> but I am excited about watching these fights illegitimately somehow. Uh, so have you heard about the Welterweight Grand Prix, Jeff? Did you see the preview for it uh, during Bellator 204? And uh, if not, uh, what's your reaction to, to some of these matchups here? Bill, this is the first time hearing of it, but I am so excited. Uh, so many on that list you just threw off. MVP, um, John Fitch, all super good fighters. Uh, I'm excited for this. I think this is this is a good weight class uh, to have a Grand Prix in because the guys aren't too big. They're not too small. And the, the guys already on the list are legendary. Yeah. Could you imagine a fight between Michael Venom Page and Ed Ruth? That's exciting because you have one of the best wrestlers to come into the MMA scene in a long time. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ed Ruth uh, broke Phil Davis's pin record at Penn State. So just a phenom of a wrestler. And, um, you know, he's been he's been knocking dudes out in Bellator, too. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see him step up in competition. Of course, Michael Venom Page, one of the most dynamic strikers in all of MMA right now. I got to say, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, Jeff, but I got to say the Bellator and PFL welterweight divisions, I think are both more exciting than the UFC's welterweight division right now. Uh, and I think I can make a really strong argument for that. Obviously, the last three title fights in the UFC have been really lackluster. Uh, we got a lot of you know muddy waters with 
interim titles and interim titles being taken away. And uh, we got a contender for the championship who hasn't made weight in a long time. And, you know, just a bunch of drama. And the, the focus hasn't really been on good fights. Um, but, yeah, some really exciting stuff going on in welterweight divisions elsewhere. So this is really cool to see. Obviously, you and I, Jeff, we've both been proponents of wanting to see these other organizations succeed uh, because it just makes everything better. It forces the UFC to step their game up. You know, if they've got this competition, uh, you know, maybe a couple of people will cancel their Fight Pass subscriptions to go over to the Bellator, and then UFC is going to have to come up with something new to, to lure people back in. And then they're working with ESPN, uh, who's going to want to compete uh, with the Paramount Network. So uh, a lot of cool things. And overall, I think it makes everything a lot better for MMA. So up next, Jeff, which is next week. It was not last night, as I saw you tweeted, uh, your disappointment that this card was not last night. From the Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, Nebraska, UFC Fight Night 135, headlined by Justin Gaethje and James Vick. And uh, this is an awesome fight. These are two really exciting fighters. I don't think either of them really have boring fights ever. But I can't get excited for this one, Jeff. Maybe you could change my mind. I think I was just so excited for uh, the original matchup, which was going to be Justin Gaethje and Al Iaquinta, that um, this one just falls flat for me a little bit. And I know it's going to be a great fight, but I just can't get my mind into it. I, I don't know. Are you excited for this one, Jeff? Maybe you can, maybe you can sway me here. I am, Bill. I mean, let's look at Justin Gaethje, first of all. He hasn't had a boring fight, I don't think, ever. So, obviously, he brings the fireworks every time he fights. And he's going up against a guy, Bill, who only has one loss. And that is uh, Benil Dariush. And, Bill, he's finished, uh, let's see, out of his last four fights, three of them have been finishes. So... Bill, I, I don't think this is a bad fight to put on at all. I think that this one's going to be fireworks, and I don't see it going to a decision, bud. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, there seems to be some bad blood, too, because James Vick doesn't think that Justin Gaethje is an elite fighter, and I think Justin Gaethje thinks the same thing about James Vick. So there's some bad blood. James Vick is always an interesting matchup because he's so tall for the lightweight division, six foot three. Uh, but will Justin Gaethje be able to chop him down with those nasty leg kicks? And you're right, they never put on bad fights. I would watch Justin Gaethje fight a parking phone, I think. Uh, <laughs> in any case, we got um, Michael Johnson and Andre Feely on here. Uh, so Michael Johnson uh, putting on the fight of the year last year with Justin Gaethje. That was a phenomenal fight. Uh, so as we're kind of talking through this, I am getting a little bit more excited for this card. Uh, we got Andrew Sanchez and Marcus Perez. Uh, that should be interesting as well. Andrew Sanchez is a beast of a wrestler. We have Eric Anders and Tim Williams. Eric Anders, I believe, came over from one of these uh, NFL guys who came over and has been on a tear lately. James Krause and Warley Alves. And the fight I got to say I'm most excited for on this card, Jeff, Ronnie Yaya and Luke Sanders. So Ronnie Yaya, one of the top shelf Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners in all of MMA. Uh, and a, a lot of people may not have heard of him, um, but he's just awesome coming off a win in his last fight and uh luke sanders is a tough motherfucker too um and, and i know you're looking forward to uh joanne cal uh calderwood and uh calindra faria so uh anything else jumping off the page for you here jeff 
Yeah, dude. Um, uh, Jake Ellenberger looks like he's going to be on the card. Uh, he's got some finishing power. Uh, unfortunately, he's had a bad string of luck in his last couple fights, so hopefully this could be a turning point for him. And John Moraga's on here too, Bill. I know you're not a fan of the flyweights, but John Moraga is someone who can finish people. He's one of the more exciting guys in this division, so hopefully he can breathe some new life into it. And, you know, if he wins this fight, maybe give him a title shot against Henry Cejudo because, uh, like you said, we need some new storylines, Bill. I'm sick and tired of hearing about Demetrius Johnson. Just forget about it. <laughs> He's gone. I'm glad you I'm glad you crossed over to the winning team here, Jeff. Uh, so it looks like Cejudo and, and not to go off on a tangent here, but it looks like Cejudo and Dillashaw fight might happen because they went off on their own press tour and wound up on TMZ somehow, uh, taking matters into their own hands. So uh, they may be forcing the UFC's hand to make that fight. And just a quick statistic on Jake Ellenberger: he has lost eight of his last ten fights. Um, so, and he's going in there against uh, a monster in Brian Barberina. So, I, I don't know if the UFC keeps setting Jake Ellenberger up for another nail in the coffin here. Um, you know, he's one of these guys that that uh, you almost cringe a little bit when you see him on another fight card because he's he's taken some serious damage in his last couple of fights. But uh, you know, he's definitely a warrior and he's definitely put on some exciting performances in the past. And he's a guy who, when he's backed into a corner, uh, can perform well. The last fight I'll point out on this card, George Sullivan taking on Mickey Gall. Um, so Mickey Gall taking some time off and, um, he has moved his camp out to LA, I believe. And he has been training with uh, his name escapes me right now. The kickboxer, the uh, is it Martin Campman? No, it's uh, shit. I know this guy. <laughs> he uh, he smokes cigarettes and he he's a glory kickboxer. He's all tattooed up. He's buddied with with Joe Rogan. Uh, man, it'll come to me. In any case, Mickey Gall uh, took some time off, changed his camps. Uh, after a decision loss to um, another guy who's oh Randy Brown, um, so it'll be cool to see him back in there. Uh, any thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah, dude, really interesting that uh, because uh, Mickey Gall's a Jersey guy. You know, he was training out here. I I want to say he was training out in a town called Sparta. Don't quote me on that. But it's interesting that you know he moved. Uh, to the other side of the country to get some training in, you know, California has some really good camps. Uh, so it's interesting. And uh, I wish him the best of luck. Hopefully this new camp works out for him because, um, you know, I don't think he's been doing anything wrong. I think that his last opponent, Randy Rudeboy Brown was just a little bit tougher than him. You know, I think he just wanted it more. I think that he was a little bit more well-rounded, but we'll see uh, Mickey Gall. I believe he's a Brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, maybe as a black belt by now. So hopefully his striking has improved a little bit. But overall, I don't think he's a bad fighter. Uh, but yeah, I actually just saw that on this card too. So I'm pretty excited for that now that you bring it up. Bill, have I changed your mind at all about this card? Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it now. Joe Schilling is the guy I was thinking of, the uh, glory kickboxer who uh, trains and, and chain smokes. One of the most exciting kickboxers on the planet, by the way. Also... Uh, had a brief stint in MMA. So apparently Joe Schilling has been helping Mickey Gall with his striking, and Mickey has been uh, giving Joe some jiu-jitsu tips. Uh, I believe he still is a brown belt under Jim Miller. 
Um, so for those of you who were yelling at your stereos and yelling at your phones uh, that it was Joe Schilling, uh, congratulations. You win. Uh, <laughs> in any case, um, <laughs> that's all I got for Fight Night 135. Obviously, since my memory is failing me, uh, and the sad thing is, Jeff, I've just been sipping on this uh, this one beer the whole time we're talking, so it's not like I'm getting hammered over here. It's just my old age getting to me, I think. But uh, this beer I've been sipping on is only a uh, it's only like a four and a half percent beer. It's a Founders All Day IPA, which is a really delicious IPA. It's super light. Uh, and the reason they call it an all-day IPA, I imagine, is because it's so light. A lot of IPAs will sit in your stomach like a rock after you drink them, and after one or two, you feel like full, or you don't even want to eat any food or anything. So uh, Founders All-Day IPA is an awesome beer uh, for like summer barbecues and stuff like that. I know for a lot of the country, this is the end of summer. Uh, of course, it's always summer here in florida but uh founders brewing company out of grand rapids michigan this is a a nice uh drinkable ipa so it still has a lot of the flavor of ipa it's not like weak as shit like a light beer um but it's still easy on the gut and you know it won't get you hammered it, it may make you forget who joe Schilling is temporarily uh but that's not a proven side effect yet uh <laughs> jeff have you been sipping on anything interesting as of late uh unfortunately no this week uh, ah, this week i was crazy busy running around uh the school year starting soon so i had to take care of a few things it'll probably be the same this week but bill you're gonna be in town next week we're definitely gonna be sipping on something interesting we can always find a place yeah we'll go we'll go find some beers or some something obscure so we have something to talk about so as I said earlier, we may or may not have an episode next week. If we do, it probably won't be on Sunday because I may still be driving to New York or spending time with family. Of course, I'm going to visit my my parents and uh, bringing the baby up for my mom's birthday. So that'll be a good time. And uh, Jeff, you and I will hang out. If you want to hang out with Jeff, you can get a hold of him on Twitter at animal underscore Wilson. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere else on the internet. Send me an email, MMAontheRocks at gmail.com. Go check us out on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts or watch podcasts. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. It helps us out. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking. Get in touch. All right. Until next time, which I don't know when that will be, but until then, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>